Welcome into the Maroon Mike Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. I'm your other co-host, Lounge Dog. And Happy New Year to everybody out there, uh, all the Bulldog fans. We wish we could have gotten this episode out for you guys a little bit earlier. We know we're kind of pushing it here um, with the bowl game right about to start, but uh, we needed to make sure we had a preview ready for you guys to go for what is going to be a massive bowl game for Mississippi State as they take on Illinois in the ReliQuest Bowl and an opportunity to honor a legend, Mike Leach. Obviously, that's kind of the uh, the big storyline with this game is, you know, a ninth, chance at a ninth win, but more importantly, a chance to uh, honor Mike Leach and, uh, the, the you know, after his passing. And, the, you know, the kind of the, probably the last time we're going to see a team that really looks like a Mike Leach coach team, even with Zach Arnett taking over. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be quite a few changes as – just that's what happens when you when you bring in a new head coach um, or, you know, promoting from within in this case. Uh, so kind of, you know, uh, hopefully send in this season on a high note and, you know, close things out the way the Pirate would have wanted. Yeah, I mean, I think you basically have all of America besides people in Champaign, Illinois, rooting for you tomorrow so gonna I think they'll be ready I think they'll be ready to play you got got all the emotion got all the you at least have enough time to take in what has happened and kind of refocus but not forget and uh I think the I wouldn't expect I'd be shocked if we didn't get give offside hundred percent effort, but like a, a solid executed performance tomorrow. Or for the most part, close enough to it. For sure. Um I I do think it, if there's any silver lining with Leach, you know, I think he runs his programs in such a way that he feels like his guys could sustain a blow like this, where he keeps he always kept his message very simple. The preparation was always the exact same every single week. The way they handle things was always going to be the exact same and it it is going to be interesting like you mentioned how they handle the emotions um especially for a guy like will rogers your first time out there without coach leach but i, I do think there is a, a, a just kind of a workmanlike approach of we know the, how to handle our business no matter what happens that hopefully we can apply to this game so let's get into breaking down the illini an opponent that's you know pretty unfamiliar for msu i will quickly say um I know there's a lot happening in basketball. I would have liked to have had some sort of recap about the Alabama game. And unfortunately, the women's team did fall to Ole Miss uh, this afternoon or evening as, we, as we're recording. We will take some time to uh, d- devote more attention on basketball once the bowl game is wrapped up and we've recapped all of that. Um, men's basketball has a big game with Tennessee the day after, but we don't really have time to preview all that. So let's get into talking about Illinois because we want to make sure that we focus on the, the biggest game at hand. The Illini, uh, it was a great year for them. Eight and four on the season, five and four in conference play. This is their best year since that 2007, 2007 Illinois team that made the Rose Bowl. Um, and they got off to a fantastic start, seven and one to start the year. They were ranked as high as 13th in the country uh, and were really firmly in control of the Big Ten West. You thought they were going to reach the Big Ten championship game with the way that division was playing. Uh, but then they had a really rough stretch where they lost three straight, uh, losing to Michigan State, who obviously was not a great team, um, falling to Purdue in a tough, tough fought battle. Uh, and obviously the Boilermakers end up winning the division. 
uh, and then losing a heartbreaker on the road at Michigan, albeit controversially with some of the calls there at the end uh, before they were able to blow out their rival Northwestern to close the season and get to eight wins. Um, and this first bowl game in a few years for them is the best bowl game they've played in really since that Rose Bowl by far. And uh, really impressive year for what Brett Bielema has, has been able to do and the way the turnaround he's led in Champaign. Yeah, I mean, I mean, watch him in Arkansas. You know, that offense works. It's just if you got the horses to work it. And then that offense is peak Big Ten football. Run the football, work in play action, and play good defense. And that, and that, I mean, and they got, they finally got a good quarterback play this year. What was it? It was it DeVito's his last name. Bobby DeVito transfer out of Syracuse. Hmm. Well, we're gonna have our, we're gonna have our hands. Well, some good news and positive news. Some good news. Well, their star running back, who's either I think leading the country or top three in the country in rush yards, is not playing. So that's a, that's a plus. But some, but but if they can run effectively and throw in that play action, it could be a long day. For sure, uh, you're talking about Chase Brown, who had over 1,600 rush yards on the season. Um, that is a big opt out for them. They also have a few key opt outs on the defensive side of the ball. But you talk about that defense, and that's really what, where I want to turn to first because that's really been the story of this Illinois team. They have a defense that's been arguably the best in the country. Uh, they're number one in scoring defense, allowing just 12.3 points per game. Number two in total total yards allowed at 264. They're second in yards per play allowed at 4.3. Uh, number four in passing defense in terms of pure yardage at 165. But when you break down some of the other stats, they're probably the best passing defense in the country. They're allowing 49.5% completion percentage, under 50%, at just 5.4 yards per attempt, only giving up eight touchdowns, and have picked off 22 passes on the season. Really, all these numbers put them up there at the top. Now, obviously, playing in the Big Ten West, you're not facing many great quarterbacks. Uh, you're not facing many big-time change uh, game changers at receiver. But nonetheless, that's a really formidable group there uh, with what they've had in the secondary. But like I mentioned, they do have a few players opted out. We'll talk about them in just a second. Two of the other defensive numbers, their seventh and third down conversion percentage allowed, giving up just 29%. And they have the number two rushing uh, red zone touchdown percentage allowed at just 37%. When teams get in the red zone, they've been able to hold them to field goals. So this is a really, really good defense. That's what Brett Bielema hangs his hat on. And, again, I know it's the Big Ten West. You're not facing a lot of good offenses, but they've been really stout this year. Yeah, I mean, just in year two, I'm – I don't know if they've done coach of the year yet, but if he's not coach of the year this year, I'll be shocked. I mean, he's brought guys in, and it's just a whirlwind difference. So, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna have our hands full tomorrow. Uh, I'd like to say if we try to run the ball, I mean, like you say, it's one of the best passing defenses in the country. See if we can try to get Woody March going. For sure, and that is something to look at uh, as, we, as we break down how State might match up a little bit later. Uh, we talked about some of the losses. It really starts with a guy who's not a player, and that's their defensive coordinator. Ryan Walters uh, left to take the head coaching job at Purdue. Walters, fantastic young defensive mind who really did wonders with that Illini defense. Uh, 
they they love you know they're an aggressive bunch. He works out of a three four base, um, a lot of man coverage, um, but can disguise looks, can do a lot of different uh, looks that they show defenses. And when you consider the players they had on the back end, that allows him to play man coverage and be aggressive the way that he did. Um, defensive backs coach Aaron Henry is going to take over the play call, and I believe he's been promoted to DC full time. Uh, and he has called plays for them in practices and scrimmages, but this will be his first time handling play calling duties in game. I talked about some of that talent on the back end, and, and this is where they really took their biggest hits. All-American and a fourth finalist cornerback, Devin Witherspoon, opted out of this game. That's the guy who's a potential first-round pick in the NFL draft. Strong safety, Sidney Brown, who was second on the team in tackles and led the way with six interceptions. He has also opted out of this game. Those are probably the two best players they have outside of Chase Brown, who, by the way, Sidney Brown and Chase Brown, those are brothers on this team. Um, so, Really, the three best players that Illinois has between their offense and defense are all opted out. Also, uh, one of their starting corners, and Tavion Nicholson, is out with injury. Now, he's been out for uh, a few weeks now, and that has allowed redshirt freshman Tyler Strain and freshman Xavier Scott to get some experience in a corner um, over those last few weeks. But talking about, again, a redshirt freshman and a true freshman, and you're replacing some big-time players on the outside – there's a chance you can, even with MSU, I know we don't have Ra-Ra Thomas. That is a big loss. You have a chance to have an advantage with your receivers out there. Uh, it's still a little bit unclear whether or not senior nickelback Quan Martin plays. I haven't heard anything yet. I think he's down with the team, so I think he's going to play and not opt out. He's a really good player for them. Um, and they also have – they will have their senior free safety, Kendall Smith, who has four interceptions. This is a really good Illinois secondary. Um, and obviously you see about the numbers that they put up. But, again, they have some of their best players out. I, I think you kind of have to feel like MSU has a chance where they could potentially take advantage of this a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like in, like in any sport, experience matters. You're throwing some young guy, young players into the fire. you got to sometimes learn the hard way. Of course, we got, vet, we got veteran receivers and, I expect a few coverage busts in there from lack of experience. So, yeah, we'll see yeah. how it goes. Gonna be for sure. You get some of those younger guys in there. There's an opportunity for MSU to hopefully take advantage. And look, I, I know Will Rogers it hasn't always been his absolute best this year, but I, I feel like this is a game where he knows. He can go out and have a big performance. And I think you got still, even with no Ra Ra Thomas there, you still have a good group of receivers who've been talented players for you throughout the year. Who, I mean, you know, I, I'd take Tulu Griffin now being the clear starter there at X to be able to have a big day. Caleb Ducking, who kind of been a lot quieter over the back half of the year, I think he's got a chance to step up big time. Um, now, I will say, when you look at this Illinois defense, they do have some good players up front as well, and they don't have any issues with opt-outs there. They have four players with at least four sacks in the season. That's led by defensive lineman Johnny Newton, who has five and a half sacks, 13 tackle for loss, and uh, 59 total pressures, which according to an Illinois insider, this was in an article with uh, he did with Paul Jones over on 247, apparently 59 total pressures is the most of any power five uh, defender. So, you know, that, that's a guy who can get after the quarterback some. Now, that said, their actual sack rates aren't great. Um, I know playing in the in the Big Ten West, you're not facing many true passing teams. But when they did get those opportunities to get after guys, they haven't been as good at it, which partially why I do think you see Ryan with Ryan Walters there, they like to send a lot more pressure to help that, especially because they trusted their guys in the back end to hold up. They have been outstanding in stuffing the run game. 
that is something that um, they're giving up less than 100 rush yards per game, top 10 in rush defense, both when you look at the raw numbers and the overall advanced stats. So this is the one part where they are facing teams who are going to run the ball a lot. They've done a really good job. Now, it is worth pointing out, though, kind of what I was just mentioning a second ago. When you've got the talent you do with the de- defensive back and you know those guys, you can just put them in man coverage and with you know one safety over top and you're going to be fine, you can then put more guys into the box to stop the run. And that's kind of what you get, this idea of running into an eight-man box. That's a very Big Ten thing um, because they didn't have a lot of quarterbacks and receivers that they had to be scared of. Uh, so they could devote more pieces to winning up front. So I, I look at this from a pass rush standpoint, they're good, not great. Um MSU has it's been mixed results in terms of handling pass rush this year. Running, it's been a mixed bag for state. When they've had the looks to run, they've run it a lot and they've done it effectively. When teams have taken it away, they haven't been as good at it, and they also really haven't tried to. Um, so you know, I think this is going to be one, one another one of those places where you see um, how, how does MSU match up because this probably will be the strength of the Illinois defense in this game. Can you protect Bull Rodgers? And if they give you looks to run, can you take advantage? Same story as it is every game with us. I'm like, are we going to be able to run the ball effectively at all? Which kind of goes to what we haven't mentioned yet or talk about what kind of game is Steve Spurrier going to call? Is he going to get away from Leach being a, like, say, 60-40, more, 50-50? Or so, like I, said, I was gonna say, this isn't an auditioning for him because I have no clue what Arnett is thinking for for next year as an OC. So I kind of see it as an auditioning for Steve. Well, I will say it's a, it may be an audition for him, but it's an audition for somewhere else. Um, it's kind of been established by by the guys at the know that. MSU is going to make an outside hire and take the offense in a different direction. They may still branch off the air raid tree, uh, but it's not going to be an internal promotion with what they do offensively. But obviously we'll, we'll have a lot more on that once the game's over and we start to, you know, hear a few more things. Um, But you're right. That is interesting about the play calling in this game. Mike Leach did not call run plays like really did not. It it was quite literally, he would, he felt like a passing play was going to be the most effective play against every defense he faced. So that's what he would call. Now, he gave his quarterback the look or the the freedom to check into a run if the look was there. He gave his quarterback the freedom to check into anything um, because ultimately his, his thought process is, you should know better than me. You should be able to know what to get into attack the current defense that we're facing. Um, I, I have wondered a little bit about that. Is Spurrier Jr. going to you know call more straight runs or is he going to go into this and say, I'm going to do it exactly the way Leach would and leave it like – I can almost see him trying to keep it exactly like Leach would simply for the the sake of will, where it's like business as usual. If you see a look to run, check into it. You have full freedom to check into whatever play you want. I feel like that might be the kind of approach. There is, we've joked a little bit about this. Uh, if MSU refuses to run the ball entirely out of, out of tribute to Mike Leach, uh, just to be like, we know what the Pirate would have wanted, but I, I ultimately I don't think that'll happen. I think they will try to find um, some opportunities in the ground game. Now, if you do want to get an idea of how MSU might attack or what Illinois might play against MSU, the best example to look at is how they played Purdue. Purdue is far and away uh, the team in the Big Ten that most closely resembles what MSU does offensively. That's It was under Jeff Brom. It was a pass-first team who, uh, you know, 
in terms of what they did on offense, a lot of times working out of kind of you know, spread sets. They would have a tight end, but they would split him out like a receiver. Um, a lot of short to intermediate game passing. When you get the one-on-one chances outside, that's when they would try the deep ball. Uh, it's not air raid, but it's relatively similar. Uh, Purdue ended up on that on the day with 379 yards of offense. By the way, they won 31 to 24. Purdue did at 5.2 yards per play. Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback, went 25 of 40 for 237 with three touchdowns and an interception. So that's a very low yards per attempt, under six yards per attempt. We've been there before many times. Uh, Illinois defensively in that game showed a lot of five man fronts, but they're five man fronts, but they're doing it out of like a three four base. So still really only like three defensive linemen, but they'd bring linebackers down kind of to show some pressure. Um, both in the interior and on the edge with a lot of single high safety. So kind of against man coverage, so kind of a man free look where we got one safety over top to keep anything for big plays, man coverage on the receivers. Cause we trust our DBs to hold up everybody else going after the quarterback. They would occasionally back the linebackers off at the snap and kind of drop them into coverage, give it, you know, a, a bluff pressure look. But for the most part, that's kind of how they played uh, Purdue when they got those looks and it's four wide, which, that's what State's going to be playing a lot of. Um, they wanted to force Purdue into a lot of quick decisions against Tice coverage and trust their DBs to win. Purdue's pass game on the day was largely quick little dump-offs. That's why their yards were attempted so low. When they did try to throw downfield, they didn't really connect on them, but they got a lot of pass interference calls. They were mostly bad calls, a lot of bullcrap calls. Um, I think there was one where, like, the DB got an interception, never touched the receiver, and they called pass interference. It was not a good day for the Illini uh, and the referees, but Purdue did take advantage of that some. And I, I kind of wonder if you could see State similarly against a, a secondary that is used to getting to play physical with receivers and not used to facing a lot of guys, receivers who can test them, if they do some of the same. Um, I, now, I will say, for as good as Illinois' run defense has been, Purdue did have some success on the ground. They ran for 142, and Purdue is not a good running team. Um they're, they they have more of a ground game than State does, but even when they try to run it, they've not been great. Um, and they broke out speed option a few times uh, when they when they had the defense kind of spread out, which we've seen Will Rogers run speed option this year a few times. Aiden O'Connell is slower than Will Rogers, and he was like picked up ten yards a carry on speed option. I I think if MSU broke that out, that, that if if they get a similar look, I think that could be effective play. Also. MSU's toss play kind of achieves the same thing. If you, I think State could have a chance to run it a little bit if you get kind of those similar looks where essentially uh, Illinois was kind of basically going for a just trying to get up to the quarterback, and that allowed for some rushing lanes to open up even when they did have guys in the box. Um, the biggest question, though, is do, do you think they would play MSU like this, though? Because part of why they were able to do that is because they had Devin Witherspoon. It's Sidney Brown on the back end. They don't have those guys. So, like, do you do you think they're going to go with the man or are they going to back off into zone? I think they're going to back off the zone because, like, you can't you can't leave your freshman out there on the island all game. If I got if I got an all American corner, I let him play man. I let him follow a certain receiver if I have to, but. You're gonna have to give those young guys some help. Yeah, and playing six, what basically three four with a single high safety. You just ask. You're just asking for those quarters to get picked on. 
I, I kind of feel the same. And I do think maybe like it, it look, it has, it has a question. Like when you've sent pressure at Rogers this year, he hasn't handled it well. And even though it's an air raid, MSU hasn't done great at beating man coverage this year. Some of those outside receivers, including the one who left, uh, they would get, sometimes they would get, if, if teams got physical with them, they couldn't beat it. So I, I wonder if they might try it some, but you're right. I mean, you're talking about you, you had an All-American Thorpe Award finalist in Devin Witherspoon who's not there. You got Sidney Brown as a safety who's covering slot receivers, not there. Um, I, I think you, you probably do need to back off into zone a little bit more, which I think if you're MSU, you want that. When MSU's been at its best offensively this year, it's been when teams have sat back and Rodgers has had time in the pocket to, and his receivers are able to settle into his zone and they can just kind of move methodically down the field. Um, that'll be an interesting matchup, though, for sure. But I'm about to say, knowing that we know that, I'm about to say Brett knows that too, so he's probably going to still bring pressure. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Which The other thing is when teams have sat back in zone, that's when State's been able to run the ball better because that's when they've typically had a lighter box to take away the uh, the passing attack. So I feel like you'll at least see early on, I think they'll try to play some man, but I think if you're MSU, you have to try and take advantage of that and go after those young corners to give yourself a chance. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, Illinois offensively, uh, not nearly as impressive. Um, 25.4 points per game, which is pretty mediocre. 387 yards per game, which is mediocre at 5.3 yards per play. Converting just 39% on third down, and red zone touchdown percentage is garbage. They are 46% when they get in the red zone and turning those into touchdowns. Um, they've had to settle for a lot of field goals on the season, and their strength is in the ground, averaging 178 yards per game. So, statistically, that looks like an old-school Brett Bielema offense. I will say, though, they did modernize things some. Uh, the offensive coordinator they brought in this year, Barry Lenny Jr., came over from UTSA. He was the one calling plays for Frank Harris and that UTSA team last year when they won 12 games. And if you remember, that was kind of an open spread offense. And Brett brought him in because he wanted to start to shift towards some of that. Um, and they have to an extent that go tempo, uh, they'll work RPO, they'll do some RPO stuff. They're going to do it out of spread looks. So they're going to be shotgun with, um, you know, multiple wide receivers out there. The thing is, though, they just don't have the personnel yet to really open it up. Um you, you talked about Tommy DeVito. He's been an effective quarterback for them, um, completing 69.9% of his passes, 15 touchdowns, four picks. But he's just under 200 yards per game at about 7.2 yards per attempt. He's not someone who's really explosive as a passer, forcing the ball downfield. He kind of has to be a bit of a game manager where he's he can handle those spread aspects better than the guys they had before because of his experience doing that at Syracuse. Um but if you're going to ask him to be a drop-back passer, he can't really do it. He kind of has to work off the play action. Um, so working off – doing the – in the receiving core is, you know, less than great, too. So for this offense to work, they got to get that ground game going. And we talked about him earlier. They had a dude who was one of the best in the country in Chase Brown, over 1,600 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns on the season. He has opted out. It's going to be Reggie Love and Josh McCray, who – McCray's missed most of the year, but he should be back from injury in this game. Those would be your top two guys at running back. Not a lot of snaps between them on the year. Uh, combined 71 carries for 316, two touchdowns. Most of those stats going to love because, like I mentioned, McCray was injured. Um, last year, uh, McCray did have over 500 yards rushing. It was like a true complimentary back to Chase Brown. So he is a, a good player. Um, but these are guys who have not taken a lot of snaps this year. And 
I think for MSU, we've seen a lot of teams to this point in the season where it's been kind of, if you feel like you can take away their ground game, you think you can be successful. And this kind of looks like a similar matchup for MSU. Yeah, I mean, I I like our I like our run defense since everybody's playing this game. No no opt out with linebackers. By the way, Tyrus we declared for the draft yep. maybe about a couple hours ago. Uh, should be it's like one side of the ball's got to play some Big Ten type football. The other side, we, we're going to end up having to play like Big 12, SEC, just throw it around the yard. So, I'll, it's going to be a fun game. I know we're only favored by one and a half, I saw. Uh, and it takes a lot. I'm trying to think. The line shift that much with that many good players opting out. But, kind of talking about. I think Ford said he was playing this game. Yeah, uh, the ex- the expectation is that pretty much everyone should be go to good to go for MSU. Um, now, Jackie Matthews might be out. That's not an opt out. That's a situation where I'm not going to get into it, but he just may not be able to go. Um, that's not finalized, but it doesn't really sound like he's going to play. Um, otherwise, MSU looks to be. Uh, you had a couple transfers, obviously. But other other than that, MSU looks to mostly be at full strength going into this one. I, I think you mentioned the spread. I think a lot of that is just there's so much uncertainty with Mississippi State. The, um, how is this team going to respond to not having Mike Leach? That's kind of the big question, which is why I think you're going to see a lot of people not want to put money on MSU, even if personnel wise you think they got an advantage. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we kind of you never know about these game, ball game situation I mean, situations because we saw it with uh, us against Louisville after Moulton left. They have Lamar Jackson and Bobby Petrino, and they'll behold Lamar Jackson third and three picks, and we ended up winning. You just never know. Oh, four. I, I I knew it was a lot. Well, I was there. Mark McLaurin had three of them. Uh, you're right. Sometimes, like, it, motivation is a huge factor, and I think Illinois will be plenty motivated in this game, but it, it's how much can they handle the guys that they, they have out with no Chase Brown, the guys missing from the secondary. A couple more notes on the Illinois offense. They do have an experienced offensive line. All those guys will be playing. They were finalists for the Joe Moore Award going to the best O-line in the country. So it's a good group, but I will say I, I looked at some of the advanced stats. Tells a little bit of a different story. They haven't been great in terms of actually creating opportunities for the running backs, which kind of tells you that what Chase Brown was able to do was a lot of Chase Brown being really good, which, by the way, does make me think, okay, you got a couple backup running backs in there. Are they going to be nearly as effective at creating those plays? Um, and in terms of pass protection, kind of mediocre. They they've, haven't given up a ton of sacks in the season, but when they have you know been in pass cover or when they have been in pass protection, haven't done as well. And I look at this MSU defense, since Jaden Crumity got back, State has done a much better job of being able to contain def- opposing offenses in their run game. Obviously, we saw the Egg Bowl and what they were able to do in that one. Um, and in terms of pass rush, it's really amped things up because you get a big body like Crumity there in the middle. He eats up a lot of space, and that gives opportunities for guys like Tyrus Wheat or uh, Red Charlton there on the edge. Uh, last thing on Illinois offensively, I talked about the receivers. Slot receiver Isaiah Williams is probably the clear go-to guy. Excuse me, 72 catches for 595, so not a very high yards per catch there. 
five touchdowns on the season is worth noting. Like I mentioned, Jackie Matthews probably out. That'd be one of your guys who would be covering a slot receiver. So that might be a guy to watch it. How are you going to handle that? And they have a couple of receive, other receivers over 450 yards. But kind of like we were just saying, this is the, the type of team where I think they face a they, they uh, present a similar profile to what State has faced a lot of this year. Teams where if you can force them to have to drop back and beat you with their arm, uh, they're, they're not going to be as effective at doing it. So I think MSU's defense, with all the guys they have coming back, I do wonder a little bit, Zach Arnett will be calling plays in this game, but how does he manage game management along with running the defense? But I think State's defense has a chance to, to have a big day. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm about to say, I'm talking – I just think – I don't know, watched a little bit of Illinois early in the year and kind of get, kind of get back to your O-line situation. Like, they weren't great in pass protection. So, I kind of expect a big day for, like, Tyra Sweet and Jaden Crumity. So, so it – It'll be, it'll be exciting to see. Yeah, I, I can see a guy like uh, Nathaniel Watson having a big day uh, against this Illinois team. Probably going to have a lot of tackles with teams running at him. And we know with Arnett, he's going to be sent on a blitz a lot. Keys to the game for MSU. We kind of touched on this early on, but you got to keep your emotions in check. And look, that's maybe easier said than done. Um, we've seen MSU teams in the past when you had a very emotional situation and how they responded. And very, very different situations. You look at Dak Prescott, though, on his senior night, the women's basketball team, the first year they went to the Final Four, their senior day against Tennessee. Um, a couple examples where you have a, a ceremony at the beginning that gets everybody emotional, and then you go out and you're just not ready for the game. And MSU is going to be honoring Mike Leach before the game. I don't think the players are going to be out there for it, but for the players, it's your first game without him out there. And if you're a guy like Will Rogers, who is closer to Leach than anybody else in this team, how do you handle it? Is it we, – we said earlier where with Leach, you feel like there's almost a business-as-usual aspect of, you know, be the most excited to play, be a team, play the next play, um, do your job, right, um, and, and play until the clock hits zero, zero, zero. They just put the video out that was awesome with Will Rogers narr- narrating. We, we know Leach's approach, and we know how that translates to now. It's just – do they – can they keep their emotions in check? And are they going to not try to do too much because it's like, well, we're, we got to go out and play for our coach? Knowing this staff, I know kind of Arnett's the emotional, passionate coach. He's intense. I think – but he knows when to – I think he knows when to dial it back and – Knowing like Steve Spurrier Jr. and Mason Miller and them, I think they thankfully the, they didn't have to play like a week after the situation, so they had like a few weeks to process it and kind of get your emotions in check. That certainly helps. Um, like like and you and you said that early on. The fact that this is not like something that happened a couple of days. I mean, frankly, if this happened a couple of days ago. I don't think the game would be played. Um, They've had a few weeks to try and regroup and get into the situation, but that's going to be a big key. You know, you, you can't – obviously you want to play with intensity, you want to play with fire, but if you you let yourself get caught too much up into that moment, that's when things can go wrong. Schematically, 
I think on offense, I think you try to attack those young defensive backs early, especially if they're showing you some man coverage looks. Uh, I think you try to get at them. I think you try to work the quick game and get those quick passes off and not let them get pass rush at you. Um, I think to me, you try to force them to play off as much as you can and force them into more of, more of a zone. And if, if MSU can get more zone looks, that's when they've been good. That's when they've been able to get the ground game going, which is another thing. I think if you get the looks to run, I think you need to try and take advantage of that early on and do whatever you can to force them to play off you so that you can, Will Rogers can kind of just take a, a, a you know normal day at the office, exactly what he wants to see out of an opposing defense. Um, defensively for MSU, it, again, it's kind of a broken record thing because I remember me and Daniel said this like, seven different times in our previews during the season, load up to stop the ground game, force their quarterback to try to beat you downfield. I, DeVito has been a good player for them. He's been a much better quarterback than they've had in a long time. He still, though, is not a guy who's going to just be able to drop back and beat you as a passer. They have to get their ground game going. And I do think MSU's run defense has been better as of late. I, you know, I pointed out some of the stats about their offensive line not being as strong as maybe the pure numbers suggest. You got some backup running backs in there. I think if you're state, you really try to load up. The only other guy I'm focusing on is Isaiah Williams. Even though he hasn't put up ridiculous numbers at receiver, he is their best player that they have as a pass catcher. Probably the best offensive playmaker they have with no Chase Brown out there. Um, If you do, you know, Jackie Matthews might not be playing for you. That's the one guy who's going to get heavily involved in the RPO game and some of the stuff to open up their offense. I think you have to try and contain him. Yeah, well, I just want to, I just want, I just want to say how Will Rogers responds because he had a dud. He, by his standards, he had a dud in the egg bowl. That's kind. Of, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting back on the offense, but staying on the defense. No, that's fine. Not bad. Totally fine. I'm well. Yeah, stick with Rogers then, because. I think Will Rogers comes back and has a huge, huge day tomorrow because, like, like I said, he laid a dud, albeit weather conditions against Ole Miss, but defense found a way. Um, so can't wait. I can't. I can't. I can't wait to see. It, but I think I think Jed Johnson's gonna have a big day. Kind of guy we hadn't talked about on the show yet tonight because he's just been that dude that wherever the ball that that dude just finds the ball. So that's kind of my he's kind of what I would like to say. He's gonna kind of be my predicting star player of the game. No, I think those are two really good picks. You're right about Will Rogers. I mean, you don't even have to say by his standards, he didn't have a good game against Ole Miss. Um, Obviously struggling with the turnovers like he did, taking sacks the way he did in that game. Um, and, I mean, frankly, in a, I, I know we can always say it's ultimately it's on the coach and the coach can make the decision, but Will Rogers is the one who had the final say to check into runs against Ole Miss, and there were a lot of chances the State had to run early in that game, and he wasn't doing it. Um, he, he really just didn't have a great game. And if there's anybody who you think is going to step up and have a big performance, it's got to be him. And I, you're t- totally right about Jed Johnson where – um, he is someone who just finds his nose around the football. And kind of like I said with Nathaniel Watson, where they're going to be running the ball a lot, 
I think he's going to get a lot of those looks as well. So I think those are two guys who definitely can uh, – you, you can expect to have some big games for MSU and can kind of be the, the difference here. You got a score prediction for us? Uh, I'm going to go like, like 28-24. That's a pretty close in line to where I've seen a lot of predictions. I'm going to – be kind of similar, at least with one score. I'm also taking Mississippi State, and I'm taking 27 to 19. Um, I guess eight point wins so is still a one score game. I I just kind of think that on the defensive side of the ball, I think this is a matchup MSU can take advantage of a lot. Um, I would not have told. I'll oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, but I, I just know we give up one or two big plays in the secondary game. I just you just know it's gonna happen. You just have to accept it and just try to find a way to get over. Totally fair. Um, totally fair. But I, at the same time, I think this is a matchup image you could take advantage of. And I would have said that. I would not have said that after the Kentucky game with the way the defense kind of got run over in that one. Um, but I think we see how big of an impact Jaden Cromedy has been on this defense um, and what MSU can, can do there to limit opposing ground games. Uh, and I just don't think Illinois has the horses to really test Emmanuel Forbes or – uh, to Cameron and Richardson, I think they're going to be able to hold their own pretty easily in that you don't, don't really have to worry too much about what Illinois is going to be able to do in the passing game, even play-action chances. Um, and on the other side of the ball, look, I, when this game was first announced, I, I was like, this is going to be a big struggle because I knew how talented that Illinois <laughs> defense was and where their strength lied, and I knew MSU offensively has not been great this season. But I think with the players they have opted out, and hopefully with a little bit of a uh, new renowned focus because of the circumstances around this game, I think you're going to get a big day out of Will Rogers and company. And I think they're going to be able to take advantage of some of those new young players in the secondary. And I think MSU can get a big win here. So yeah, 27, 27, 19 to cap off a nine win season and uh, bring in a new year. And go into the next season and with the good or curtain class we've gotten, Top top twenty five class so far, and uh, go into and go into the next season or spring practice with a positive on a positive note. For sure, you got a chance to build a lot of momentum going into next year with this game. Obviously, you're going to be some changes to the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball and the way you go about doing things. But Zach Arnett promoted from within. You're going to have a ton of experience coming back next year. If you can cap this off at the ninth win, you have a chance to pick up a lot of momentum going into the offseason and get some more national buzz. So it, more importantly than that, of course, honor Mike Leach uh, with, a, with a big win. So both of us going with wins uh, for MSU. We will be back at some point to recap this game. Oh, you got something to say? Oh, I was going to say, if we win, the team's got to get a, a picture on the pirate ship. Oh, n- no question. They absolutely do. Um, you you got to get up in that pirate ship and uh, I don't. I'm, sure, I'm curious to see what they do uh, as a team. I know there's going to be some things to honor Leach in the game, and I'm curious to see what they break out uh, tomorrow. That, that'll be really fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, we both have MSU winning this one and uh, getting a good win for the Pirate to close out 2022 season. That's going to do it today. Um, like I mentioned, we'll be back to recap the game with whatever happens and kind of close out our thoughts on the season. Um, and then it'll sort of be turning that attention to uh, basketball as that season is getting into the full swing here in Starkville. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Lounge, for hopping on. And as always, swing your sword and hail state.